0: Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from
1: Curiosity.com.
0: I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why preparing for climate change is just as important as fighting it with best-selling author and CBS News correspondent David Pogue. Then, you'll learn why you can make someone less defensive by making them feel validated. Let's
0: satisfy some curiosity.
1: When you hear news about climate change, it's usually about one of two things how bad the situation is, and how you can help to keep it from happening. But our guest today says there's another aspect we're all forgetting, how to prepare for it. If you think that's a pessimistic, hopeless attitude to take, well, just listen to what he has to say. David Pogue is a best-selling author, CBS Sunday Morning science and technology correspondent, and the author of the new book, How to Prepare for Climate Change, A Practical Guide to Surviving the Chaos. We started by asking him why he would write a book like this.
0: So, do you believe that climate change can't be stopped, or just past the point of no return? Or is this book more of like kind of a wake-up call to make people realize, oh, climate change will affect me as an individual, and I should do something about it?
2: Um, yes, exactly. Uh, both <laughs> so so climate change can't be stopped because it's here I mean it's been here for years it's this is why last year was the hottest year ever recorded and they had the most hurricanes ever recorded the biggest wildfires ever recorded I mean that's not changing that's not going to get better in our lifetimes so yes climate change is here obviously we want to avoid the worst of you know the ipcc's predictions which are way worse than this so there's still every reason to try to mitigate to try to You stop pumping out greenhouse gases because we don't want it to get worse. But in the meantime, every year, 25 million Americans are caught in these disasters. And it's like you knew this was coming. We know this is the new reality. Why wouldn't we prepare? Obviously, we don't know the date you're going to get hit, but we know that you are going to get hit at some point. So why wouldn't you want to prepare? That's that's exactly the, the concept.
0: So it sounds like, you know, it, it, obviously it's so wide reaching from coast to coast, from, you know, north to south. So is there one single way that everyone can prepare as individuals or does it have to be tailored to each region?
2: Uh, yeah, there are some generalized things. I'll give you one really cool thing and one really boring sounding thing that's really important too. So the really cool thing is you get this app, it's from the American Red Cross, it's free, it's called Emergency, and you enter your address. And like your parents' address or your school or your employer address. And then you can put it away in some phone folder and forget about it. And then what it does is it gives you early warning for 47 different kinds of disaster. So you won't be at the end of the line of cars trying to get out of town when you have to evacuate. You'll be at the front of the line, you know, or you can call up your parents and warn them, things like that. It, it just breaks my heart every time we have these California wildfires and we find out that people died in their homes because they didn't get the word. Like, how in this era can we not get word of a devastating wildfire that's going to kill you? But people do. They don't. The E nine one one texts don't go through, or they they're not watching TV and they die. So that will never happen to anybody you care about if you have this little app. The other thing, the boring part, is so many of us have insurance. That is not the right kind and not the right amount. We like we got the insurance for our homes years ago, we got the cheapest deal we could. It was pre climate change. We didn't really care. Classic example: homeowners insurance does not cover flooding. So if your listeners come away with only one lesson from this episode, well, I guess it was a really bad episode. But um, then, <laughs> but take this away: homeowners insurance does not cover flooding. of the American population lives in flood zones. Of those, only 18% have flood insurance. Everyone else is a sitting duck. So there's only one source of flood insurance. It's from the federal government. They provide 95% of flood insurance policies because regular insurance companies won't touch it. (laughs) Like, that's a bad deal. We'll lose money on flooding in the modern era. Everybody gets the same rates. It's all very fair, but you got to look into flood insurance. David, it's so interesting talking about this stuff because,
0: you know, like you cover climate change and you know about all the good news and all the big changes that are happening. But then you also are writing a book at the same time about like there's a certain extent of damage that has either been done or is kind of inevitable at this point. It's just How do you even process that in your brain?
2: Yeah, I mean, so John Holdren was Barack Obama's chief science advisor, and he had this great quote that I love. He says, when it comes to climate change, we can have three reactions. We can mitigate it which means trying to stop it. We can adapt to it and we can suffer. And it's up to us to determine what the breakdown of those three things is going to be. And I just feel like everything that's ever been written about personal action toward climate change is that first category, it's mitigation. It's it's take public transportation and fly less and eat less red meat and use LED light bulbs. And that's all really, really important. We need to keep doing it. But what about the second part of his formula, adaptation? Like, we need to start accepting that bad stuff is here, will in the short term continue getting worse. I mean, the California wildfires are supposed to be six times worse in 30 years. And so we need to get ready for that. We should make ourselves more resilient in the process. And and by the way, my my editor calls this book the first uplifting book about climate change. And what she means by that is, In getting yourself ready, in making a go bag, in having a conversation with your family about where you'll meet during an evacuation if the cell phone towers are down, in getting that Red Cross app, not only do you literally prepare yourself for disasters, but it also has this huge mental health effect. Because in any situation where you feel depressed, it's not just because you think your situation sucks. It's that your situation sucks and you're helpless to change the situation. So by taking these preparation actions, you do feel like you have some control over the situation. And you do, you're, you're making important changes to get ready, even if the disaster never comes. You sleep better at night knowing that you've been ready.
1: And here I was the first time I looked at the title of your book, I'm like, this is this might be too dark for us. And here, <laughs> here you're saying this is the most uplifting climate change book there is, that's great.
2: <laughs> it's a big anti-anxiety pill.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Again, that was David Pogue, a best-selling author, CBS Sunday morning science and technology correspondent and author of the new book, How to Prepare for Climate Change, a practical guide to surviving the chaos. He'll be back tomorrow to tell us some of the weirder things caused by climate change, along with some very good news about our efforts to turn it around.
0: When someone tells you you've done something wrong, it's important to say, I'm sorry, but that's not always easy. A lot of the time, our natural instinct is to get a little defensive, even though that can backfire. Well, luckily, new research from Flinders University in Australia suggests one way to reduce that defensiveness and can help us understand why we get defensive in the first place. The key ingredient could be validation. In one study, the researchers brought in a group of omnivores, people who eat both vegetables and animal products. The participants watched a short documentary about animal cruelty in the egg and meat industry, which the researchers hoped would lead to some feelings of guilt. Then the participants had a conversation with a chatbot, who either affirmed their choice to eat meat or made them feel bad about it. And finally, they took two tests, an explicit guilt test, where they answered simple questions about how they felt, and an implicit guilt test, which measured how much they unconsciously associated words related to themselves with words related to guilt. Now, interestingly, the people who were reassured by the bots were the ones who expressed the most explicit guilt about eating meat and eggs. So while the video on animal cruelty made all of the viewers feel at least a little guilty, they only explicitly expressed their guilt when there was a bot to tell them it was okay to eat meat— The people who were made to feel badly by their bots felt a bigger disconnect. They experienced implicit guilt, but struggled to express it. To the researchers, that suggested defensiveness. Even more importantly, the people who were told their wrongdoing was okay ended up taking action. They were more likely to donate to an animal rights organization. The people without the understanding bots were less likely to donate— According to researchers, this is the big takeaway from the study. People who are worried about being accepted become more defensive and are less willing to repair the harm they've caused. When people are validated and affirmed, their walls come down and they're able to make amends. It's a tough lesson that might feel a little backwards at first. I mean, when someone hurts you, you're supposed to validate their feelings, But the research suggests this could be a good way to help them understand what they've done wrong and do better next time.
1: All right, well, let's recap the main things we learned today.
0: Well, there's still plenty of reason to do what we can to fight climate change, but we should also prepare for it. One way to do that is by downloading the Emergency Alerts app from the Red Cross to help you know what's coming before it hits you. Another way to do it is to have the right kinds of insurance, especially flood insurance About 95% of all flood insurance you can get in the U.S. is available through the federal government. So take a look.
1: Also, a good thing to do is just get ready. Pack a go bag you can grab on your way out the door. Talk to your family about where to go during a disaster. All these things can reduce feelings of helplessness, which could help you sleep better at night. And we also learned that people are less defensive when they feel validated. The more a person is worried about being accepted, the more defensive they could become. This might sound counterintuitive, but research suggests that validating a person's feelings could help them understand what they've done wrong and how they can do better next time.
0: I know this is the second time this week we've talked about the importance of validating someone's feelings, but this brings up something that I have wondered about since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. And that is a lot of people really insist on saying wearing a mask isn't a big deal just wear your mask. Now, to people like you and me, Ashley wearing a mask isn't a big deal, but there is a swath of Americans and people around the world who are convinced or believe or have this perception that wearing a mask is a huge pain. So why not just say, hey, look, I get it. Wearing a mask is kind of a pain. It's another thing to remember. If you sneeze, it's weird. But when you wear a mask, it saves people's lives and it's helping prevent the spread of this horrible pandemic. Like why not just take that little step to validate the person's feelings? Cuz like the masks are annoying. Otherwise you and I would be wearing them right
1: now talking to each other. Right. They're mildly annoying. That's fine to admit. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple people do that and I always appreciate it. But yeah, or say I mean one truth about that is they are annoying but they get less annoying as you get used to them. That too? That too? But you know what? Wearing glasses with a mask, it's never good. It's never good. Never get used to it. I bought contacts for the
0: first time since I started wearing glasses again, just because of this pandemic, because I couldn't walk into another store and get that fog (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so, it's so awful. You walk in and it's your first interaction with like a stranger at the cashier or whatever. And you're like, excuse me, I can't see you because my glasses are covered in fog. <laughs> Give me a moment. <laughs> you're like So, of course, you take them off and then you can't see anybody. Oh, it's just the worst. Anyway, masks aren't that bad, but they are annoying. And we can all admit that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you walk into a store like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello look at my Fogs goggles <laughs> today's last story was written by grant Curran and edited by ashley hamer who's the managing editor for curiosity daily
1: curiosity daily is produced and edited by cody goff
0: wear a mask we know it's kind of annoying but it will save people's lives and then join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes
1: and until then stay curious